Thessalonians 3, 6 through 13. All right, 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 13. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for us all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Please pray with me. Dear Jesus, we love you this morning, and I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this community. I pray that your spirit would fill this community, and that you'd open up all our hearts to be receptive to your will and to your word as Brian preaches today. Lord, I pray that we would be a community that gives one another life because of our faith and our love for one another. And just as the church in Thessalonica blesses uh, Paul and Timothy and all the other believers, I pray that we would build one another up and that your spirit would just flow between all of us as we encourage and build each other up. I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Just a, another quick announcement. Uh, if this if this is what you feel like is your church home, whether and it doesn't mean you've been here for a long time, maybe you've only been several weeks, but you feel like this is, if someone is to ask you, where do you go to church? You say Malibu Gathering. So if this is home church for you, uh, we want to ask if you can spare a few extra minutes when the service is over to hang out for a little bit, uh, just a little family meeting. Um, if you're, if, if you're not, if you're just passing through, you're, we don't want to kick anybody out. Feel free to just go ahead and get some more coffee or snacks if there's any left. Uh, but uh, just if you could hang for a little bit, I think right after, very short, we're talking like five to ten minutes at most, right after worship. And something I didn't ask, and if it's some people who have kids, can the kids be, continue to be watched over for a few extra minutes? Actually, I'll run over there and ask them. So if, if you could hang for a little bit right after worship, be great. I've got a green light here. I think I hear myself. All right, good morning. My name is Brian, and um, if this is your first time, we just want to say um, good morning and welcome. Glad you're here. <clears throat> One of the things that um, I, I've gotten, you know, everyone has some bad habits a little bit, and um, it seems like just, um, you know, one of the things I've gotten into a little bit is just always rushing in my life, like from just thing to thing to thing, and always just trying to make sure I'm taking care of my responsibilities and being a responsible adult and husband and father and all that, and that's a good thing, it's okay, but if you just take that so far that you just never get to like just slow down and enjoy each moment, and I just, I really hope that we can, as a church, learn to just slow down and enjoy studying God's Word. It's God's word. It's his written word to us. And there is just 
there's supreme value in just not thinking about rushing off to the next thing or your next responsibility, but just being in the presence of the Lord and, and studying His Word and looking at it. And so I just want to encourage you, I know that <clears throat> it's getting close to finals and, and all those important things in life, but nothing really is ultimately more important than dealing with things of eternity, your soul, and how we can encourage one another um, by doing that. And so, uh, this morning, we will continue our study in 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and turn there with me? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And, uh, let's see if this is going to work. Oh, I might need... I'm going to do it by myself. Did it work? Can you, I'm sorry, I can't. Can you help me, Mrs. Renner? Sister Kelly, I'd be glad to. Oh, well, it's a little precarious. Thank you. Yeah, here we go. I'm either hot, too hot or too cold. You got it? Oops, I did, and then I pulled it off. That's right. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right. It's better. I'm just, I just got to... Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> All right. This is, this is real. Can I do it by myself? Yeah, yeah, all right. After all that, all right. I will, uh, let's pray. That was a great introduction, wasn't it? Man, that was just, now you're gripped. <laughs> that's not, that's right. All right. Um, if you have your Bible, just turn there, and then uh, Joel read it, so I won't read it again right now, but I will pray. So join with me. Father, um, we just want to say that we love you, and we, we are thankful for who you are. Father, I pray that um, this morning that we can just enjoy being in your presence, see the value of studying your word, pressing it deep into our hearts, into our minds, deepening our understanding of how much you love us, how you want to bless us, how you want to bring good things into our lives, bring healing into our hearts. So Father, I pray this morning that we would We would just go deep into your word and, and make ourselves vulnerable before you to bring healing and health to our lives. Pray your Holy Spirit would be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've spent you know, quite a bit of time studying the Apostle Paul, and he truly is uh, you know, an amazing man, but he is almost, almost too amazing. And... Um, you know, his standard and his lifestyle were, you know, just like a half a step beneath Jesus. And so I need someone sometimes a little bit more human to match uh, myself. So I'm always on the lookout for people that have similar qualities to the Apostle Paul, but also have the humanness that, uh, that I have. And this week I came across somebody that I've never heard of before, and I'm always looking for uh, new stories, new people who uh, have made a commitment to follow Christ in their life, no matter what that might bring. And I came across a couple named Betty and John Stam, who were living in China in the 1930s. This was uh, a time of upheaval in China when the Communist Party was gaining traction and Betty and John Stam were American missionaries living in China. 
and I'll just read just a, one short, quick paragraph um, that tells the story about their life, just real, real quickly. This is 1934. Americans John and Betty Stam were serving as missionaries in China. One morning, Betty was bathing their three-month-old daughter, Helen, when the city magistrate appeared to them and said the communist forces were near. And he, wor- he warned them and urged them to leave immediately. John Stam went to investigate the situation and received conflicting reports, but deciding to take no chances, he arranged for his wife and baby to be escorted to safety as quickly as possible. But before they could do that, the communists broke through the city gates and quickly made it to the house of the two Americans. They were captured, they were stripped down to their underwear, hands were bound, and... Um, and made to march to the next city. And then a few days went on, and, um, and they would not recount or uh, go against or deny Christ. And during this time, Betty wrote a prayer that, that stuck with me. And so and we'll, uh, we'll read it here in just a second. But before we do, I just want to say that this morning's passage is about living consistently in a broken world, living consistently in a broken world through personal and purposeful prayer. Living consistently in a broken world through personal and purposeful prayer. Her life was changed by the Gospel, just like the Apostle Paul. And things were forever changed in their life. The trajectory of their lives were forever altered. And in the midst of, in the midst of extreme brokenness, when I'm talking about a broken world, Betty and John Stam were kidnapped by Chinese communists in the 1930s and were eventually martyred um, by a sword. And uh, the, uh, the story turns out that the little baby daughter lives and, and ends up growing up in America. But during this time of captivity, she wrote a prayer. And if, Tony, can we hit the next button and we'll read it here? This was uh, Betty's prayer. She has um, relatively newly married and a little baby and uh, serving in China in the 1930s. And she wrote, Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes all of my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee, to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with the Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Work out thy whole will in my life at any cost, now and forever. A life surrounded to Christ, willing to give up your own desires, your own hopes, your own dreams, and surrender those to Christ. The Apostle Paul had a similar prayer, a similar lifestyle, which motivated him to go around and and plant churches in different communities throughout the Mediterranean Sea. And the church in Thessalonica was one of the early churches in this mission of his life. And he goes there and he plants a church and he's there just for a few short weeks, probably three or four weeks, and then he has to leave because of threats and risks to his life. 
But he's a life, he's a man who understands, who understands the gospel, who understands a prayer like this, of what it means to be a Christian, of giving up your own plans, your own desires, and giving them over to Jesus Christ. And so what happens is we see in the Apostle Paul in his life, his life, a key component of his life is prayer for other people. One of the, uh, one of the church, churchy kind of words we use when we talk about this kind of prayer is the word intercessory prayer. And if you're not a churchy person, that's okay. I don't, it's, it's, the concept is good. And that's what the passage is about this morning. But just to make it a little bit more simple and move away from churchy words, it just means you're praying on behalf of other people. You are intervening in the lives of others through prayer on their behalf. And so if we are going to, if you are going to live a consistent life in a world that is broken, you need to be in prayer for other people. We need people praying for each other. The world that we live in is broken. Relationships, hearts, lives, the world that we live in is broken. And if you are going to live the Christian life consistently, you need people praying for you, and you need to be praying for people. Paul's relationship with the Thessalonians was a deeply personal relationship. And so prayer was not this professional pastor, reverend guy praying. It was deeply personal lives that had been, that had been bonded together. The paradigm of, of church pastors being the professional prayers for the body is expired, tired, and does not work. We need to be a body of people who are bonded together, who are willing to pray for one another, to intervene, to act on behalf of one another so that we can live consistent lives. We'll get into the passage now just for a moment and look at this a little bit more carefully. Paul is deeply connected with the Thessalonians. And all throughout the chapters 1, 2, and 3, they talk about the struggle. Let me just give you a few examples. Chapter 2, verse 2 says this, But though we already suffered and had been shamefully treated, we declare the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. The Apostle Paul is honest and admits that the gospel was being shared amidst much, much conflict. It's worth it for us just for a moment. I normally don't ask questions like this because there's always someone maybe sometimes a little bit smart and think it's funny to go against the question because it has an obvious answer. But raise your hand if you don't have any problems this morning. Raise your Look around. Look at all the hands up. Raise your hand if you don't have any problems here this morning. All right? We all have problems. I know Shane was tempted. <laughs> we all have problems. We all have things in our heart that are broken. We have people in our lives that we love and care for deeply that are making unwise and hurtful choices. 
And Paul is saying, amidst that, so amidst us, despite the problems, despite the conflict, despite the pain, the Gospel will go forward. Read with me now chapter 3, verse 6. It says this, But now Timothy has come from us, come to us from you. Thessalonica was dangerous. Paul had to leave. He's worried about the believers there. He sends Timothy, his friend, to go and check on them. Timothy returns to Paul and says, Good news. Yes, finally, some good news. Good news for you. And what is the good news? Your faith and love is reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. They were friends. They actually enjoyed being together. The good news was this, that their faith was working and their love was active. Several weeks ago, in the very beginning, we pointed out the theme of 1 Thessalonians. Look back to chapter 1. In the last part of verse 3, it says this, Your work, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope, in whom? In our Lord Jesus Christ. They are continuing in the faith. Their faith is working. Their love is laboring. That is the good news report. Verse 7 says this, For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted, comforted about you through faith. So, a much, much, amidst much conflict, they are standing firm. Verse 8 says this, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. A much, amidst all the problems that we all have, are you standing firm? Are you standing strong in the Lord? Well, maybe, maybe not. But Paul is going to show us here the key aspect. Check your own heart. Check your own life. Evaluate our own church. Paul earnestly prays for them. If you want to live consistently a life that's honoring to Christ amidst much conflict, it's vital, it's essential that people are praying for you. Paul says he prays earnestly passionately, night and day. So, number one, consistent living in a broken world requires prayer that is personal. Consistent living in a broken world requires prayer that is personal. Paul talks about hours of honest, intense prayer what does, he want? what does he want? Number one, the, the number one aspect of the prayer is that he wants to be with him. Look at verse 10. It says, We pray earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. That means they actually know one another. You can be a church hopper and go from place to place, relationship hopper where you go face to, you get to know people a little bit and you go on to the next person. You'll never get to know anyone. You'll never get to know the hurts, the pains, the flaws. Paul and the church in Thessalonica, they knew each other well enough where they knew the good things, they knew the struggles, they knew the pains, they knew the embarrassing things they've done, but they were still friends. There was a personal, a deep personal friendship. 
for them. I know that there are, there are hinder, hindrances towards that in church life. It is. And every time I look down, it does that, and I'll speak out. <laughs> I know that you know, when you come to church, there, there is a part of church that is difficult for many people. And I've talked to some of you about that. Even in, you know, especially if you come from a non-church background, you know, you're not even sure what words to say. Words like intercessory prayer. I don't know what the heck you're talking about when someone says that, but I do now. But words, we have our own Christian kind of code words that we talk about. And it's difficult to do what I'm talking about, to go deep, to go personal with people. People don't feel like they fit in in churches. Years, years and years ago, sorry, I won't do that. When I was in college, I was a part of this program. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was designed to have like a week of fun orientation for the new freshmen. And so you, if you were, I think it was called WOW, WOW Week, like Week of Welcome. Okay? Do they still have, they probably have something like that at Pepperdine, right? All right, what is it? All right, WOW is way cooler. <laughs> Week of welcome. All right, and if you were picked to be part of WOW, you were, you were kind of viewed as somewhat spiritual. You kind of hovered above the ground more than anybody else because of your holiness. And, uh, and so I can remember going to meetings and um, being a part of this. And it was, honestly, it was cool and it was good. It was good stuff. But I honestly felt like I never fit in at all. I was like, who are these crazy people? I, I, don't, I don't get it. They, they, talk, they did talk a different way, and they, to me, they look the same. They talk the same. They dress the same. And there was this uniformity about them that was bizarre and weird to me. It took me a long time, though. So I would stand back a little bit and be a little bit critical. I'd come from... Again, you have to know, you know, where you come from makes a big mark on your life. And this was, um, you know, a Christian college in kind of a sub, suburb of L.A. And I grew up in a small, kind of half-hippie, half-logger town. Um, and so there was just, there was that, it's where I grew up. And so coming to a suburb of L.A. with lots of really happy, nice Christian people, it was weird a little bit. But what finally took me a long time to figure out, was all of that, my attitude, was focused on me. Was me standing back and making judgments about other people. I want to try to save you uh, years of self-centeredness. Finally, some point in my life, I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop standing back on the sidelines and being critical towards people. I'm actually going to go find someone and talk to them and actually get to know them. To take the initiative and to be a relationship builder instead of hiding in the corner and being critical and, and, and kind of mocking other people because while they were a little bit overly Christian-y for me, they were, pretty, they were probably sincere people and nice. They probably were. I think they were. They just weren't my style or my fit. 
And I'm even talking this morning. I'm calling on you to think carefully about a paradigm shift of how you want to live your life. Are you going to be passive and always stand back and withdraw? Are you going to be one who initiates to build relationships with people? One of the things we clearly get from this passage is that Paul and the church there, they were closely knit together. And it is harder as our church has grown, and there are people here that I don't know at all, it does get harder. It just means you need to make more of an effort to get to know people. Brian and I started a, uh, a very scientific observation this morning as we were standing out front, and we were comparing and contrasting, I guess, counting the number of cars who would roll their windows down when they drove by and actually look at us and smile. So we've got you marked. If you're a window up, up person and just give us like this, no, that doesn't work anymore. Okay? Roll your window down, actually greet us and say hello. Otherwise, we're going to stop you. All right? So roll your window down, say hello. That's okay. Consistent living, consistent living in a broken world means you need to open your life up to people so they know what to pray for. They know your needs. If everyone is at arm's distance emotionally and relationally, you cannot live a consistent Christian life. The world you live in is broken. It is deeply flawed. <clears throat> if you are a Christian here this morning and you're tired of the yo-yo of your life, just the up and down Christianity of your life, it is quite possible that one reason that is going on in your life is because you are keeping people at a distance. People have no idea how to pray for you. They have no idea how to minister to you if you keep everyone at a distance. Look what Paul prays for them. Paul prays this. This is in verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12 says this. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. That means enlarge your heart. Make your heart bigger so you are more capable of loving people. The true mark of a Christian is love for one another. <coughs> Appearance, talented people, I don't know. You know, there's so much stuff and garbage that goes along with church that's all focused on appearance that is utter waste and a hindrance to the church. Pray most earnestly, night and day, that your love would increase for one another, that your heart would grow big, that you would stop looking at your own life, your own problems, and open your heart to other people so that they can pray and minister to you. Consistent living in a broken world requires personal prayer. 
personal prayer, getting to know people, having people being able to intercede on your behalf. The second part of consistent living in a broken world is that a prayer requires a purpose. Prayer requires a purpose. So consistent living in a broken world requires personal prayer, but now secondly, consistent living in a broken world requires that prayer has a purpose. And we see that at the end of verse 10. Paul says again, we pray earnestly night and day to supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul is saying over and over again, what an amazing church this is, how much he loves them, how much their faith is active, that their love for one another is laboring. They have hope that things are on the right path, that the church is doing well. It's in a positive place. Lives are being changed. The direction it's heading is positive. But Paul says, while that is true, it is his hope to supply what is lacking. The word, um, the, the verb, uh, what is lacking, is actually used throughout the Bible and used several times in the Gospels with the idea of mending a broken net. Uh, the disciples use the word in a sense when they talk to Jesus and they're sitting on the shoreline by the Sea of Galilee and they're mending their net. It is the same word. The idea of fixing things that might be broken or supplying things that are broken. Well, their faith is in good shape. Three or four weeks old, the church is just brand new baby church and here's what's happening. There is enthusiasm. All right? Just like anything new in life. We're all human beings. Something's new and fresh in our life. There is enthusiasm. There is enthusiasm for obedience. They are excited. But that is not enough because we live in a broken world. Newness, fun, like a new boyfriend or girlfriend. For the, you know, how, long, how long does it take till you have a fight? Right? It's fun. It's new. Everything has reality to it. And Life is broken. And so Paul is saying this. Yes, things are going great. You're right. But let me tell you, let me give you some wisdom, some insight. You need some things that are lacking in your faith. You've got enthusiasm. You've got obedience for the most part. But what they need is knowledge. They need understanding. They need deep roots. Every winter, even here and in the Northwest, trees blow over. When the, when the rains come for days and days and the big winds come and the deep, they blow over easily. That happens all the time. And so, enthusiasm is great, but do your roots go deep? Do you have a theological understanding? Do you understand who God is? Paul wants to supply to them knowledge, information, And this is just, just a, a footnote, again, and this is just, just my own like, little personal application, but one of the most important things that I hope you all do is you read books. You need to read the right books to deepen your understanding of who God is. And I know that everyone doesn't like to read, and, and that's okay, but there's got to be some part of your life where you are spending time reading God's Word, where you are asking questions, where you are meditating on it, um, where you're just being honest. When you read something in the Bible and you're like, that doesn't make any sense at all to me, you should be able to be honest enough and, and care enough about your life to try to struggle and answer questions. 
Because your life, your life matters. And that when, when we live in a broken world, you need strength, you need consistency. So Paul is saying, here's what he says, verse, uh, the, end of, the end of verse 12. Excuse me, verse 13 says this, and here is specifically what he's talking about. Here's what is lacking. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God. Lives that are separated for Jesus Christ. A life that has been separated for Jesus Christ. He's talking about your heart. That is all of who you are. It's all of who you are. That your life would be separated for Jesus Christ. That as the prayer said, that you give up your own dreams, your own desires, your own purpose for your life, and you give your life to Jesus Christ. When you are when you are opening your life to people so they know how to pray for you, when people are praying for deep roots, for spiritual strength, you will endure a broken world. You will stand strong. As Paul says uh, in verse 8, he says, For now we live. You are standing fast in the Lord. That is the best news possible. That you are standing strong, you are standing firm in a broken world. If you are withering, if you are not standing strong this morning, if the brokenness of our world has overtaken you, we just we exhort you to get prayer. To have people pray for you on your behalf to give you guidance and wisdom from God's Word to point you to Jesus. We are all about Jesus and knowing Him through His Word. We are about living in reality <clears throat> that we live in a broken world and that God's Word will open your heart to a path of purity, a life of goodness, a life of blessing. I think sometimes we, we forget that because we live in a messed up world, that God wants to bless you, that God wants to be good to you, that He wants to bring, to bring blessing into your life, the right kind of blessings, to bring wholeness, to bring healing to your heart. And so, so often... <clears throat> We just feel like the, everything is against us. That the world is against us. And this passage just clearly says that if you want to live consistently, if you want to live a blessed life, personal, honest, transparent prayer has to be a part of who you are. Secondly, he says, we all need prayer that has a purpose. Not just, not just that our God is a Coke machine, that we put in a couple little nice pleasant things and we say thank you and God bless you and now give me these things. But prayer for lives that would be set apart for Jesus Christ. I'll conclude with this. At the end of the verse, Paul says this, 
Uh, hearts blameless in holiness. That means set apart for purity before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of His saints. At the coming of our Lord Jesus. That again brings into clarity your life. That Jesus is returning one day. Uh, A few of you know that... Uh, my grandmother passed away uh, a couple, two days ago, and and you know um, she was she lived a good long life, and uh, she, you know she was old she's ninety, um, but you know it's still always a very difficult a difficult time, and thankfully though I was able to be there in the hospital with my aunt and uncle, um, who's that was their their mother, and. Um, it, it just reminded me, and I just feel like I, I, I want to share this with you, that, that life is a beautiful thing, that, that God wants to bless you in so many ways, that there is so much goodness in our, in our world and in my life. It's truly true that God wants to be good to you and bless you. Knowing that there is eternity. And as my grandma stepped off into eternity a few days ago, it's worth it for you to be able to, to just to be still in the presence of the Lord as we worship in just a few minutes. And think carefully about your life and what's truly valuable to you. And how you can live consistently and how you can stand firm in Jesus Despite the struggles and the brokenness, you can stand firm. You can stand strong. When you let people into your life who can pray personal prayers for you, when you let people love you enough to exhort you to separate your life for Jesus, there will be one day a blessed reunion in the presence of Jesus, Paul says at the very end, with all of His saints. There will be a day when all, all of us, people throughout the whole world, will rejoice and worship Jesus together as a blessed family. Let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, I, just, I, ask, I ask for Your Holy Spirit to be present this morning. And, and I just pray for a supernatural power of healing in Your presence as we worship. Father, I I just pray that if anyone is feeling broken inside and hurting, and their reality right now is just a broken world, that they would come and and get prayer and get healing and get, get their life deeply grounded, deeply rooted in Your Son, Jesus. Father, we know that because You sent Your Son, Jesus, there's healing in our lives as possible through the power of the Spirit. So we say we love You. We thank You for loving us. We want to follow you with all the days you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.